dreams, our footprints, dreams, our songline, and keep our culture going strong. Of course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care, and also others. The recognition were... of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years, and the recognition of where we are heading into the future. Welcome to uh, Survival Day, Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Welcome to the Doing Time Show. I'm Pete. Um, we recorded a r- rally um, that's coming up soon. That was on Sunday. Um, rally Morrison out, refugees in, and that was it's coming up next. And then uh, after that, um, there's some fabulous um, snippets, podcasts from Mamia Abu-Jamal, a political activist and a journalist. So I look forward to hearing them um, speak soon. Very important protest to send a very strong message to Scott Morrison, our new Prime Minister, that he is not our leader. We do not accept his leadership and we are going to protest him at every turn. I want to start by acknowledging that we are meeting here on the land of the Wurundjeri people and that Aboriginal people in this country have been leading a resistance against racism for more than 200 years. My name is Lucy Honan, I'm from the Refugee Action Collective. And as I just said, we're here to mark the beginning of Scott Morrison's hopefully extremely short career as Prime Minister with an unequivocal, loud and angry protest. Morrison out, refugees in. Let's let's do it all together. Morrison out. Refugees in. 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 Okay. The Liberals have had a week from hell, uh, but we need to let them know, and I think that they do actually know, that they are far from having reached a strong, stable and electable leadership. 
Over the last week, they have laid bare, once again, just how truly ugly the soul of the Liberal Party is. The two ultimate contenders for the contest of Prime Minister of, and Leader of the Liberal Party were their two most recent uh, Ministers for Immigration, the chief racists, the proudest boat-stopping brutalisers. The two of them, Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton, scrambling for power, and let's, let's add Julie Bishop in as well, scrambling for power, while three more children on Nauru attempted suicide, while the offshore camps continued. Shame on them. We, the refugee movement, refugees, refugee advocates know better than anybody in this country that Scott Morrison is no relief from Peter Dutton. Refugee advocates know and understand that Scott Morrison is the architect. He was the architect of Operation Sovereign Borders. He was the sicko between, behind the fast track processing boat turnbacks. Blood is on Scott Morrison's hands for the, for the murder of Reza Barati and it was his mouth that the lies spewed out of about what happened the night of that attack on Manus, blaming the victims themselves for the, own, for the brutality that the Liberal Party and that Scott Morrison himself set up. Scott Morrison himself sat on reports of child abuse and rape on Nauru for months and months and months. And when, and when Morrison couldn't sit on those reports anymore, he had the whistleblowers sacked, referred to the Australian Federal Police. And then when his own independent investigation, the Moss Review, revealed that in fact those whistleblowers were correct, that that harm, abuse and disgusting treatment of human beings on Nauru was absolutely true. He never apologised. He handed the reins of those offshore camps over to his recommended buddy, Peter Dutton. We have just had the coronial inquiry into Hamid Karzai's death, which pointed the finger over and over and over onto the, the, the Ministers for Immigration for the medical negligence, but more than that, the determined brutality behind what is happening on Manus Island. Some people will be breathing a sigh of relief that Dutton was defeated. But we know that Morrison won't be fundamentally different and nor will this be the end of the hard right insurgency in Australian politics. Recently, we heard the Anning speech. We've had Blair Cottrell on the news. We've had Alan Joyce, sorry, Alan Jones, wrong Alan, uh, turning up the notch on the mainstream media racism and underpinning all of these steps further and further and further to the right is the world-leading racist standard set by Australian immigration ministers themselves, dragging us rightward. We don't need more moderate Liberals like Turnbull and nobody here is going to be sad that he's gone. Turnbull backed up and legislated for and supported and fanned the flames of every racist utterance that Peter Dutton has ever made. We don't need the complicity of him 
We don't need the complicity either, or the silence, or the support for offshore processing from Bill Shorten. We need Labor to break from the refugee racism and take a stand against offshore detention and boat turnbacks. Great sign. I reckon that sign needs a round of applause. We've got a lot of speakers today uh, who are going to remind us of exactly the legacy that Scott Morrison lined Peter Dutton up with and is ready to ready to implement even further. Uh, but I just wanna I wanna check that they're here. Alright, okay, we're going to have to do a little bit of um, linking up because we've got Aziz, uh, who's on Manus Island, who was there at the night of, of the attack on Reza Barati. Uh, so you're going to have to just give us a moment a moment to line that up. But while we're doing that, uh, let's, let's have the chat. Refugees, yes. Morrison, no. Detention centres have got to go. It's like no change at all. 
It's called Norton. It's a very, very well known to us on Mars Island. And to me personally, I met with him back then on 2013, five years ago. And I still remember the words that he said to me. And not only me alone, but we were 12 community leaders from each nationality. When we met, he told us straight away that, uh, hey young man, don't waste your time here. You will never and ever come to Australia. Go back to where you come from. And that's the kind of man that I can remember him. And those words are still on my head. It's called Marathon lies many times to the Australian people. He lies about Reza Barati. He lies about Hamid Kazan. And again, he lies about the nine good Australian staff who worked on Mauer, children. He says Reza Barati was killed outside the detention center. But the truth is, Reza Barati was killed inside the detention center by the policy of the Australian government. That's one. Second, Hamid Kazar died of medical negligence, but Scotland told the Australian people that the medical care on Manus Island was out of standard. He was accused nine good Australian people who do who were doing whatever it takes to save the lives of Italian people on Nauru. But unfortunately, he said in the media out loud that these people are causing the Italian people to harm themselves. But the truth is, each and every one of us believe that those people are there to save the Italian people from the self-harm. And why even those Italian people are harming themselves? It's because of what the Scott Nelson said in the news and because of his life. If Scott Nelson consistently opposing the refugee convention and he changed the law so that Australia could ignore the refugee convention and it happened who picked up after him people don't did the same thing people that arrived in Australian people in 2015 when we were at the middle of Amistad and he lied to Australian people in 2015 when the Navy Navy soldiers shooting right inside our room and he was so many times. And we are still suffering from the legacy of the Scott Morrison today. We are not surprised to hear that Scott Morrison is considering many Peter Dutton as an immigration minister because there is no difference between the policy of Scott Morrison and Peter Dutton. Scott Morrison was just bad as a Peter Dutton. And as I think people know in Australia. He's been lying to people in Australia and attempting that even Peter doesn't do. Because the reason has been playing a dirty politics with our lives and with the lives of other refugees on Nauru. And it's been five years we are, he's he playing with our lives. And until today, he's still playing with our lives. And I believe personally, any government lead by Scott Morrison is built on a lie that he told when he was an immigration minister, and the lie that he has been repeatedly repeated by the, by Peter Dutton, and the same lie that he took us prisoners on Manus Island and Nauru today, after 60 years. They say, they say that they want to save the lives at the sea. But guess what? 
They met refugees to die on Manus Island on Nauru. So far, we have nine men. So 12 men have lost their lives. Some, some were killed deliberately. Some because of the medical negligence, and some set themselves on the fire because they cannot, they cannot survive. They felt that they cannot, they are not able to take it on. The situation on Manus Island, as we speak today, is getting worse. It's getting worse day by day. There is a curfew on our compound that is imposed by the police and security guards. There are no there is no proper medical facility on Manus Island. Sharif is a young man. He's a young man. He has been diagnosed by the stomach cancer three years ago. And until today, Sharif is still battling to survive each day with no proper treatment has been offered to Sharif. It took eight days, eight days for Abdi with the knee, with the broken knee. Eight days, despite thousands of phone calls that the good Australian people met to the, the people back in office, until they got Abdi to it. To a hospital where now he's getting is a proper medicator. And there is so much mental distress from the people being tortured on Manus Island for so long. The US deal is not going to resettle people from Manus. The refugees on Manus Island are being rejected, have been rejected in the resettlement of the United States. For five years, the refugees on Manus Island have been fighting for our freedoms. And we will keep fighting for our freedoms and we are encouraged every time people in Australia protest to support our fight. We need a fundamental change. We need a fundamental change in the policy. Refugee on Manus Island and Nauru, refugee on Manus Island and Nauru need a safety and secure future. And that's what we are fighting for, and I believe we're going to keep fighting for until that day will come. And I believe that that day is not far away. That day is not far away. It's a very close, but we can see it. I can see it. You can see it, but it's right there on the edge of our boat. And I'm sure it will come. Despite what we have been through, despite what we have been through, and we believe that we've never been forgotten. We have seen thousands of banners on the street in Australia. We have seen thousands, seen thousands of people who are protesting to free us from this hell every single day. And we are so grateful to you, everyone, for the rest of our life. And even our mother reached even the kids in Australia today, they are holding banners and saying that free the refugees. And all I want to say, shame on every politician in Australia today. Shame on you guys. When you see your own kids holding a banner and saying, free those innocent men, and you are still insisting to keep those innocent men, it's really shame on you. Shame on you again, and shame on you again. And I want to say thank you very much to everyone, and we will fight together until we get our freedom. Thank you very much once again. Uh, my name is Liam Ward, I'm also with the Refugee Action Collective. Uh, we should make no mistake about what we've just heard from Aziz there. That 
is the story that, that the likes of Peter Dutton and Scott Morrison and all of the immigration ministers for the last 20 years would silence and would not have us hearing. Those are the people who, who, whose voices are silenced. And if the people in that camp, in all those camps, who have been subjected to torture, to indefinite detention, to imprisonment, to shootings and murders, if they can hold out the kind of hope, the kind of courage, the kind of tenacity and commitment to resist every step of the way, then so can we. Now, uh, it's a pleasure to introduce our next speaker, and uh, I want to just give some context to this because there's been, uh, in the bit we've heard already in the last 10 minutes, uh, a sort of litany of death and horror that is attached to the name Scott Morrison. In the 14 months that this monster was immigration minister, he oversaw really a high point in deaths in these camps. We've heard about Hamid Kerzai, we've heard about Reza Barati. Uh, one of the other names that's worth remembering is Leo Simantale, who didn't die in the camp. He was here uh, on, in community detention, a Tamil refugee, and uh, you'll remember in 2014, Scott Morrison was whipping up an anti-Tamil anti frenzy and threatening to deport every single Tamil back to the genocidal regime uh, in Sri Lanka. Leo, uh, terrified by the prospect of being sent home to certain death, uh, took his own life here on the, the streets of our cities. Scott Morrison refused, you'll remember this, he refused to give Leo's parents a visa so they could come here and bury their son. Shame. Leo's final act of generosity uh, to this country that's given him nothing, nothing but pain and misfortune and eventually death was to donate his organs and Leo saved the lives of four Australian citizens. You should remember that. Now our next speaker is Aaron, Aaron Mulbaganem, uh, a leading member of the, capital, of the Tamil Refugee Council and a long time uh, staunch fighter for refugee rights and against racism. So please make him welcome. Thank you, Liam. It is great to see... It's great to see uh, so many photos of uh, Rita Bharati. Scott Morrison is directly responsible for the murder of uh, Rita Bharati. He shouldn't be leading this country. Election of Scott Morrison has created fear once again among many people, including people in my own community, the Tamil community. Like Liam said, while he was the shadow immigration minister, he frequently visited Sri Lanka and defended the brutal Rajapaksa regime on international stage. In fact, in February 2013, he visited Sri Lanka, met with Tamil people and Tamil parliamentarians and told lies to Australian national media about what they had told him. After Tamil Refugee Council put out a press release, that's when his lies were exposed. When he became immigration minister, some of the policy measures included turning boats back to Sri Lanka regardless of the refugee status of passengers. In April 2014, he welcomed Gotabaya Rajapaksha to Canberra for the first time. Rajapaksha, as 
Defense uh, Secretary oversaw the slaughter of over 100,000 Tamils in the final days of the war in 2009. Our new Prime Minister was happy to rub shoulders with the mass murderer under investigation by the United Nations. I witnessed it, like, I witnessed it firsthand. The lies of this man told when Leo Simanpula self-immolated and died in Geelong on 1st of June 2014. I was by Leo's bedside when he took the last breath. At that time, Morrison lied about Leo's family and the support they received from the department. He stood to new law by refusing Leo's parents a visa to come and bury their son. Again in July 2014, Morrison ordered the detaining of Tamil refugees at sea for over a month and the attempt to deliver 106, 157 Tamils back into the hands of Sri Lankan government. Together with Julie Bishop, Tony Abbott, Morrison and his department did everything they could to hide the torture and sexual violence inflicted upon Tamil people and helped Sri Lankan government to whitewash its genocidal crimes against Tamils. Friends, our Prime Minister is a criminal. Our Prime Minister should be sent to the Hague for crimes against humanity. Some months ago, Adam Van called Peter Dutton a terrorist. Scott Morrison is no different. We fear this man. We fear this man will ruin many people's lives. He will send Tamils back to danger. He will send many other refugees back to danger. We fear this, bill. this man will contribute to further human rights abuses against Tamils in Sri Lanka. Let us fight hard so that this man will be kicked out of power soon. Thank you. Hey Morrison, we're talking to you. Close Manus, close Nauru. Hey Morrison, we're talking to you. Close Manus, close Nauru. Hey Morrison, we're talking to you. Close Manus, close Nauru. Okay, thanks everybody and thanks so much to Aaron. Uh, it is really important to take seriously the threat that we're facing with the Morrison Prime Ministership and the dramatic shift to the right that we've seen the Liberal Party take over the last week. It is absolutely incumbent on all of us to take that shift really seriously. Along with Along with that very sober assessment though, I think we also need to understand that the Liberal Party is in total disarray because they are so unpopular. There is nothing, nothing that they have been able to do over the last several months to lift them out of the decline in popularity, that, that the spiral that uh, Turnbull has taken them down. 
And over and over again, we see it with the Liberal Party that when they can't win their, you know, their, their quite vicious policies that, that Scott Morrison has also been in charge of in terms of budget cuts and so on, the more they reach for racism, the more that they demonise and divide and scapegoat and pretend to be the strong man against, against vulnerable people uh, like refugees. So I think we need to understand that over the next couple of months, we are going to see both a declining uh, strength in the Liberal Party, but a ramping up of racism and a ramping up of all of the same kind of rhetoric that we've seen from Peter Dutton about African gangs and being scared to uh, being scared to eat out um, for dinner and all of the vicious things that they are doing in the offshore camps ramping up and continuing. And we need to be not strong and united behind the Liberal Party, but strong and united as a refugee movement, saying no to the racism, coming out over and over again. I think one of the strengths of the refugee movement is that we know we can't wait for elections. We know that it's not, it's not the time to be sitting on our knees, uh, sitting, sitting on our butts and, and hoping for a change of government eventually. Certainly, the Liberal Party didn't sit around waiting for elections uh, when it changed leaders, and nor should we. Uh, apart from anything, we know that at the moment, the Labor Party does not represent a strong enough alternative to the offshore camps. Indeed, even though Bill Shorten keeps saying that he wants everybody off the camps, he has no alternative. He has not said, bring them here. He's said fictitious things about South Korea uh, and other countries taking refugees. And we know that there is no other third country option. There are not enough places in the New Zealand deal. The, the US deal is almost exhausted. Uh, the refugee camps have not been emptied on Manus and Nauru. And more than anything, the refugees who, who have been stuck in Indonesia over the last couple of years cannot wait any longer. We can't wait for the elections, uh, and we won't wait. We won't wait at all. One of the really important things for the refugee movement to be doing, though, is uniting with all the people who are so angry at the Liberals and want to do anything to get them out, and all the people who are hoping against hope that they will be tossed out in the next election, and uniting with them, and people who are Labor voters, the majority of Labor voters who want to see the camps close themselves and organising and bringing them into our, our movement. And one of the people who has been, and, and, and a representative of the organisation, who has been doing that very important grassroots work to bring Labor voters into our movement and against offshore detention is Pauline Brown. She is a member of Labor for Refugees um, and, and a very important refugee advocate. Please make her welcome. Thank you. I want to start by acknowledging that we are meeting on Aboriginal land, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. And today we've heard quite a lot of information from Aziz and from Aaron in particular about the situation, the dire situation that people are facing. But I've got a few messages, particularly for our new Prime Minister, and for our incoming, returning, we believe, Minister for Home Affairs. Our government walked out of the house on Thursday. This is an absolute disgrace. We are their employers. They are paid to be there and answer questions. 
They walked out to deal with their own squabbles. Sack them indeed. But I think it's time that we step up our campaign, as other speakers have said. We need to really step up further. And I've got a new slogan. I've got a new three-word slogan, particularly, and I will never use their names. I've got a new three-word slogan, slogan for our Prime Minister and incoming returning Border Protection Minister. Stop the lies. That's what we need to stop. Stop the lies. And just to give you a few, they keep arguing against us. But over 2,000 children, women and men were sent to Manus and Nauru over five years ago. Sent there without charge, without trial, sentenced for an indefinite period. The government says what they have done is illegal. Then if it's illegal, why haven't they been charged? Why haven't there been any trials? So it's time to stop the lies. Now the Prime Minister, the new Prime Minister, in his first speech on Friday afternoon, said this, and I quote, remember these words, there is a fair go for all those who have a go. This is what fairness in Australia means. Well, I say to him, all of those people who are still imprisoned on Manus and Nauru had a go. They had a go at fleeing for their lives. So where is the fairness for them? The man who last week was the Minister for Home, what it was called, Home Affairs, not much home about it, he reportedly said this week, I still can't believe it, but I've been told by many people he actually said this, that he would have brought all the people, brought all the people from Madison Nauru here if he could. Well, he can. There is only one person stopping him doing that, and that's himself. He even goes to court to stop seriously ill children being brought here. So stop the lies. The New Zealand government first offered to take 150 people per year back in 2013. So 750 people could have been settled there by now, and I'm sure they would rather go there than come here. But the minister said this cannot happen because they would simply be able to walk in from New Zealand into Australia from there. Well, tell that to Dusty Martin's father. Tell that to all those that we have deported back to New Zealand because they committed crimes here. Stop the lies! The Prime Minister made that offer then directly to the government of Nauru. But she was told, no, it's not up to the government of Nauru. She has to deal with the Australian government. We so often hear the government say that the children, the women and the men who are on Manus and Nauru are the responsibility of the governments of Nauru and PNG. But we know 
They are our responsibility, so stop the lies. The government of Nauru is very soon to host the Forum of Pacific Leaders. And in preparation for that, can you believe what they're doing? They're actually moving people out of the mouldy tents, the mouldy tents where they have lived for the past five years, so that the leaders won't see them. Another lie. Stop the lies. We cannot wait until the next election. We've got to start working. We've already started working. All those who are on Madison Room must be brought here now. It can be done. We could send planes, a Hercules over this afternoon to bring the children here first. The children who are ill. The children who have lost the will to live. And we have done that. No, they've done it in our name. But it's up to every one of us to continue working. Don't wait for the election. Contact every one of your local members of parliament. Tell your friends and your family. Tell your neighbours. Get in touch with their officers. And be polite. Otherwise they won't listen. But... I think we've lost sound. No, we're back again. So you're getting in touch with them, not to have any debate, not to have a discussion, not to let them tell you, no, no, we can't do it because of this, because of that. You're getting in touch with them to tell, give them the message. We can bring people here. We want you to bring them here now. Stop the lies. Are you ready to hit the streets for refugees? Yeah. You're going to be loud? Yeah. We're going to make a little bit of history today because two days after that monster, the prime monster, Scott Morrison, uh, introduced himself to us as you know, the, new, the new leader of a tyrannical regime, hundreds of us came out today to say we're not going to tolerate this racism, we're going to resist it every step of the way. And we're also sending a message to... You know, I, I agree with Pauline, we can't wait for the election. The resistance to Morrison starts now, but also that we're sending a message to what might be... I mean, they keep telling us that Labor's going to win the next election. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but we're going to make it clear that whoever wins the next election, we will, we will continue fighting for refugee rights until the, until the horrible, grotesque fortress that they have built around this continent is demolished, is torn down, and every human being who comes here seeking safety, seeking a better life, is given the home and the help and the support they need in our communities right here, and we are not going to stop. Let's march. The Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is continuing its Stop Failing Our Kids campaign until this year's Victorian state election. We're asking people to sign an online petition and to send postcards to Premier Daniel Andrews, calling for his government to abandon plans to build a $288 million youth prison at Cherry Creek. We want that money directed to culturally appropriate programs to address the underpinning issues rather than incarcerating children. For more information and to sign the petition, visit Istra Melbourne's Facebook page. Postcards are available at 3CR and locations listed at istramelbourne.com. 
Premier, it's time your government stopped failing the kids. Mr Melbourne is a 3CR supporter. Immigration Nation. Say one thing about the Trump presidency. From day one, issue one has been immigration. More specifically, the issue has been American anxiety about the rising tide of immigrants, especially Mexican or other non-white immigrants. Several days ago, I've been reading No One is Illegal by Justin Akers Chacon and Mike Davis, published by Haymarket Books. I've learned new things on virtually every page, especially the harrowing history of how the U.S. treated immigrants over the years. The history of the U.S. is largely seen by the demand for workers from China, Japan, the Philippines, and later Mexicans. They would be invited, welcomed, super exploited by growers, and then they were demonized by politicians and media to be assaulted, insulted, and deported. These workers were paid a mere pittance. Some, like Chinese, were spit on in the street by white ruffians and vigilantes. Some were beaten. Some were killed. When Mexicans came north to take these jobs, some by way of the U.S. Bracero program, they were isolated and separated from others so that they could more easily be exploited. They were signed up to work by contract, and once that ended, they were deported back home to Mexico. They essentially feed the U.S. nation for pennies, only to be demonized, isolated, and forbidden to join unions. The hardest working get the lowest wages. Sound familiar? The struggles of migrant workers in the U.S. are truly eye-opening. It ain't pretty, but it gives us a lot to learn. That U.S. history ain't shown at the movies. Those stories have yet to be told. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. Aretha. 1942-2018. With one unmistakable name, a musical legend was born, Aretha. Born on March 25, 1942, in Memphis, Tennessee, raised in Detroit, daughter of the famous gospel preacher, Reverend Cecil L. Franklin, she was born to a world made and moved by music. Her father taught her timing and phrasing, but the precocious Aretha learned young that her voice, with its incessant, pure, ascendant tone, could topple walls and open hearts. It took her to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987, and at least five of her many top hits have since become classics. Respect, I Never Loved a Man, Freeway of Love, Share Your Love With Me, and Something He Can Feel. In her matchless career, she had 20 number one hits from Respect and I Never Loved a Man in 1967 to Freeway of Love, the summer 1985. Her fans, though, loved her like family. 
and it didn't really matter where she was on the charts. She sang with utter, moving, emphatic emotion and captured hearts near and far. Her voice, her gift, rang like a bell in the night. But she didn't only shine on stage. During a recent interview, she described herself as a domestic goddess. And what job is harder than raising black children in America? As black mother, she was indeed a goddess, reigning over the rhythms of life and love at home in Detroit. For a black woman to go from the Jim Crow South to become a queen of the kingdom of music and then a goddess at home is no small thing. She was, is, and shall ever be Aretha, who lightened and enriched the hearts of millions around the world. She returns to the celestial choir after 76 summers of earthly life. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu-Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. Forward. Follow the money evoked in me an odd mixture of feelings, fascination, indignation, awe, and rage. I learned a good deal from it and met people, amazing people, who I had never heard of. I've got to add another emotion, envy. Why? Because in Pennsylvania prisons, where some 51,000-plus souls reside, Dennis Bernstein's flashpoints are not heard. We're in Pennsylvania, 3,000 miles away. Also, there's no Internet access in these joints. So the steering, soul-touching, and moving interviews with Dennis and his guests are lost to us. That is, until follow the money. Now that these remarkable interviews are available in print, the vast world of social, ecological, labor, gender, political, national insecurity, legal strategies are open to millions beyond Pacifica's frequencies. Here we see that Bernstein has one of the best jobs in the world. He talks to fascinating people from a wide and brilliant array of life. Most are engaged in some of the most challenging struggles of this era against entrenched state and corporate power. Here we see activists and participants in the battles against state and corporate snooping on the people, against the growing repression machine, especially versus black and brown bodies, against gender sexual expression, dangerous border wars, global assaults on the world's peoples and environments, the horrors of Palestinian existence under the heels of the Zionist apartheid occupation, and much much more. Another feeling, anger. Why anger, you wonder? I've learned of people's struggles that have been largely ignored by the complacent corporate media. Here, there are hundreds of untold stories that could and should be told by the corporate media. To this date, most of these stories remain untouched and untold. This is an immense disservice to the American public proving beyond cavil that the nation's media is primarily the purveyor of infotainment to dazzle, distract, and delude viewers, readers, and listeners, not to inform them. So when you read these interviews and learn of these pivotal events in the life of the nation, how can you not get angry? 
how can you not feel that corporate news is little more than a basket of emptiness, of echoing fog? Bernstein's Flashpoints provides a powerful searchlight through that fog. It is common for people, especially young people, to pine for the good old days of the 60s. They often lament the lack of movements in the U.S. today. No one can read Follow the Money and come to such a conclusion ever again, for the nation is bursting with movements. For people are fighting with hope, imagination, and deep love against the forces of greed, exploitation, and expropriation by the minions of capitalism, racism, militarism, and unjust state power. Dennis Bernstein has brought some truly remarkable minds, voices, and hearts to his listening audiences at KPFA's Flashpoints. Now, these beautiful minds can speak to new audiences of readers, not only in prison, where, by the way, there are voracious readers, across the country and, indeed, worldwide. I found these interviews both enlightening and delightful. Thank you, Dennis. This is Mumia Abu-Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. Message from Mexico's indigenous mountains. This is an old story, not only because it occurred over a decade and a half ago, around 2003, but because it involves descendants of an ancient people, the indigenous people of the Americas. In the mountains, several hours west of Mexico City, lies the city called San Pedro Tilanixco, an indigenous town of Nahua people. For years, they engaged in light farming, the raising and bartering of magic mushrooms, and some clothing production. In 2000, big businesses entered the town and tried to own all the water. The community rebelled, staging blockades and protests. The moneyed class called in their armed enforcers, and before you knew it, violence struck San Pedro Telenico, and about half a dozen people, five men and one woman, were accused of killing a local flower grower, Isaac Basso. According to eyewitnesses, Basso slipped and fell down a canyon all by himself, but no matter. Members of the local water committee organized to resist the seizure and sale of water by Mexican agricultural businesses took the fall. Sentences of up to 50 years for defending water. They are Domingo Gonzalez Martinez, Lorenzo Sanchez Barriozabal, Marco Antonio Perez Gonzalez, Pedro Sanchez Barriozabal, Romulo Arias Mirales, and Teofilo Perez Gonzalez. Several others have been charged, but not captured. They are indigenous political prisoners of the liberal and neoliberal state of Mexico. Support them in their just struggle for the water that flows in the mountains. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu.